Welcome to the Be A Friend podcast. My name is Brian, and this is my show about friendship and faith as a young adult. As my therapist friend, okay, my therapist once said, if you want to make a friend, you have to be a friend. So my mission with this podcast is to entertain people and inspire myself and everyone listening to become better friends in our 20s and 30s. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today is a special and unique episode because it is just me talking this time. I do not have any guest to interview to talk about friendship and faith. It's just me, just Brian. It's a little awkward with me just sitting in my apartment with a microphone in front of me while Krizia is in the other room on a Zoom call with work. But we're going to make it happen. It's been a couple weeks since the last episode came up with Rachel Scott. Shout out, Rachel. And I figured it was time to put something else up. I've been a little busy to give you all a little bit of a life update. I got married on September 24th, which is a big deal, which is now my favorite day of the year. It surpassed my birthday and Christmas for a favorite day. And so because of the wedding and the wedding planning and the honeymoon, I have not been able to record a conversation with any of my other friends. So today you're just stuck with me. But I wanted to just give you a glimpse into what it was like at the wedding and the honeymoon. Um, The whole week leading up to the honeymoon and kind of the whole month and several months actually, I was just filled with kind of a, a lingering anxiety, a lingering stress about the wedding, about marriage. If you've been listening to the podcast and the other episodes, you've heard me talk about one of the fears, which was the fear of losing my friends with when I got married, which I think I'll be fine. I'm still going to have friends. It'll just look a little different. But I've also had a lot of anxiety over like little details and things Krizia planned for the wedding versus things that I was planning for the wedding and getting on the same page. And it got to the point where on the wedding day, I was so stressed. I was having lunch with my groomsmen and a couple friends before we went to the ceremony, before we went to the venue to help set up a little bit and get ready. And I was just so anxious. I couldn't relax. Uh, We were getting ready and I couldn't relax. Uh, The men's warehouse we used forgot to give me my shoes. So I had to wear my brother's shoes and there was this whole whole thing. Uh, Side note, I do not recommend men's warehouse. They mess up too many times. But it is very convenient. So you got to weigh that against each other. Um, But anyway, I was filled with anxiety all day. And then we did the first look, which is when you get to see the bride and groom get to see each other before the wedding starts. And so I had my back to where Krizia was going to come in from. I had my back to her. And then she came out and like tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and I got to see her in her wedding dress and with her wedding hair and wedding makeup and all of my anxiety and fears just melted away. Um, the thoughts of, oh no, what, what if something goes wrong melted away into, oh my gosh, I'm just so happy I get to do this with my best friend and love of my life. And so we went on to have the ceremony and the ceremony was beautiful um, Lisa Averill did a great job officiating. Everyone looked great in their suits and dresses. My little niece and nephew looked great as the flower girl and ring bearer, even though he didn't actually hold any rings. But Winston was great, and so was Evelyn. We did a f- ceremonial foot washing as our first act as husband and wife, not because we're into feet as one of my groomsmen thought we were, 
Um, but it was a symbolic gesture of just like how Jesus, though he was God, is God, um, he washed his disciples' feet, which was the act of a servant. And so by Krizia and I washing each other's feet, we were saying through the gesture that we are committed to serving one another. So that was beautiful. I had lots of friends and family come up to say to me afterwards that it was one of the most beautiful ceremonies they'd ever seen. And, and I, I'm inclined to agree with them. It was my favorite ceremony that I've ever been to. For, it was my favorite wedding ceremony that I'd ever been to. And the reception was great. We had pizza, we had dancing, we had toasts, we had a cocktail hour, we had friends and family fly in from all over the place. It was awesome. The only complaint I have about the reception was that it wasn't longer. I wish we had more time to dance, to mingle. We had so many people come from out of town. That's the hard part about a wedding is you have so many people coming from out of town that you don't get to see very often, but that you love them so much that you would want to have them at your special wedding day. But then you don't get to see them that much because there's 180 other people that you have to talk to. Um, so we did, we, we tried to remedy that by having a little after party, which I don't know if we only invited the young adults, but only the young, the youngest of the young adults came, which was great. Basically all of our friends, about 30 of them, we took over a little dive bar, which was only about six minutes away from the venue in Ramona, California. Shout out to Cheers of Ramona. If you're ever in Ramona, California and need a burger, according to Yelp, they have great burgers. Krizia can attest to the quality of the garlic fries. She got those and loved them. It was really funny because we left the, the wedding. Krizia and I left first. And so we were the first ones to actually arrive at the bar. And it's, it's a dive bar. There's nothing really that special. It's not a classy place. But I'm in there with my like three-piece suit or however many piece, pieces of the suit there are. And Krizia is in, in like a white dress. And then there's just the locals at the dive bar. And one of them turned to me and said, did you just get married? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, what the hell are you doing here then? <laughs> it was funny because a lot of the locals had just gotten back from what they called midget wrestling, which I'm pretty sure is politically incorrect to call it that. Um, but they were just going on about how fun it was. A lot of them were wearing luchador masks and they wanted to actually take photos with each Krizia and myself because they thought it was just so funny that uh, a bride and groom would come to their dive bar, their local dive bar after their wedding. Um, but then all over the next like 10 to 30 minutes, 30 of our closest friends came over and we like played pool, we played Jenga, we did all the, all the dive bar activities. And then eventually after an hour and a half, Krizia and I took off to go to the, our hotel for our wedding night. And then the next day, uh, Krizia's parents threw a wonderful little carne asada, got a taco not a taco truck, but they got tacos catered for all of us, which was so nice. Best tacos I've had in a long time. And then the next day, we flew away to Bacalar, Mexico for our honeymoon. Um, Bacalar Laguna, for those of you unfamiliar, is uh, compared to the Maldives. They call it the Maldives of Mexico. I had to look it up. It is pronounced Maldives, not Maldives, like I've always been saying. Uh, but they call it that because the lagoon is because the lagoon has so many different shades of blue in the water, just like the Maldives, wherever the Maldives are. And so it was, it was beautiful. Um, one of probably the, probably the highlight for both of us of any in 
any single activity was when we did a boat tour around the lake for four hours on our first full day there. It was so fun. There's probably about 15 of us on the boat, all just visiting tourists, and then three locals running it for us. There was an open bar. They had like a fruit surfboard. They had they laid out like a stand-up paddleboard, but they covered it with fruit at our last stop. Uh, we got to jump out three times and like play in the lake for about 40, 30, 45 minutes at a time. Uh, it was it was so fun. Um, Unfortunately, uh, I know I made a challenge to myself at the beginning of last episode that I was going to, that Krizia and I were going to try to make a, make friends. We we're going to try to make couple friends with another couple on our honeymoon. And unfortunately, we did not do that. We had not exchanged Instagrams with anyone to stay in touch with them. Something I've learned from making of this podcast is that friendship really comes down to shared experience. Like, you can't just say, let's be friends and be friends. Often, you need some uniting experience to bond you. Um, and so we had, I would say the boat was a such bonding experience. However, we didn't actually see anyone else again afterwards because everyone was leaving shortly after the boat ride. There was a Dutch couple that we got along with the best, Monik and Julia from Amsterdam, and there was another couple from Germany that we were talking to as well. But the Germans were just there on a day trip and the Dutch were leaving in two days. So uh, we did not get to make any couple friends, though we did have a great time. Although I did not uh, fulfill the challenge, I did not complete the challenge from last time, I still like this idea of having a challenge for every episode of how will I myself, how will I challenge myself to become a better friend? And so I've decided that my challenge for this next week is to pray for 10 friends daily this week. The idea behind how that will make me a better friend uh, comes from a quote from C.S. Lewis that was butchered when told to me, and I'm going to butcher it again. I looked up the actual quote and it doesn't sound as good as this. It's just like the second half of the quote. But basically... Uh, it's at the C.S. Lewis, the author guy, author of Narnia and so many other books, said that prayer, he doesn't know how much it affects God, but it sure affects me. I do believe that prayer is a big part of the Christian faith. I do believe that God answers prayers. I don't know exactly how it works. It's all a big mystery. But one thing that I know for certain about prayer is that when I pray for someone or something, I care so much more about that, that person or that thing that I'm praying for. And so the idea of if I am praying for 10 of my friends, I'm going to care about those 10 friends much more at the end of the week after praying for them daily than I am right now. And so that's, how, that's a kickstart to being a good friend. I think prayer is the groundwork for a lot of great things. And so I'm going to test out if prayer can be the groundwork for being a good friend and starting some great friendships. And so the topic that I wanted to talk about today by myself in this mini-sode, mini-episode, is the two biggest lessons I have learned about friendship and life in my 20s. And I may actually go off on a couple tangents as I was mapping out what I wanted to say. There's a couple things that I might go off on, so get excited. You get to front row view into the inner workings of how my brain works. 
So when people would ask me, Brian, what do you think is the most important quality in a friend? There's a lot of different answers you could say. Um, people say someone who has, you have the same sense of humor as, someone you get along really well with, you have good chemistry, you have a lot of shared experience with them. And those are all good things, I believe. But for me, uh, what I've always said to that question is the most important quality as a friend is their availability. Are they available to be my friend? Because I could get along with someone amazingly, but if neither of us are free to see each other, then we're not really friends. If I could get along with a good friend that moves out of state, but if once they're out of state, we don't actually talk to each other, then our friendship is just not what it could be. We're still friends, but the quality of friendship is diminishing over time if we don't stay in touch. And so that leads into the the biggest lesson about friendship that I've learned in my 20, my single years of my 20s and early 30s is to say yes, to be available, to say yes to invitations and to invite others yourself, even if you don't want to. For example, in 2020, uh, two of the best things that I did was I said yes to a couple trips. I got invited to go to Lake Shasta and camp up there with a, with a few friends. And I also got invited to go on a road trip to Bend, Oregon, which was going to be a camping trip, but turned into an Airbnb trip, which I'm actually pretty happy that we stayed at an Airbnb for a week instead of a sleeping on the ground of a tent. Which is one of the reasons I don't like camping that much is because I sleep pretty poorly. I am not the best tent sleeper and it just makes me kind of cranky. Um, I also, if I travel with a group, sometimes it can be hard for me to not know the agenda or to not have planned the agenda. Um, I know that's just kind of me being difficult, but that's kind of how my brain and how my thought processes work is that it, I need to kind of know what's going on. And so, uh, but on this trip to Shasta, on this trip to Bend, um, I was invited by some friends that I want to get closer to for each respective trip. And I said, yes. And they were such good decisions. I'm still so close to all of those friends. Um, one became a groomsman at my wedding from that trip. Shout out Elijah Hour, who was a guest on the podcast before. And one actually ended up becoming my wife because Krizia was on that trip to Oregon. That was one of our first big bonding experiences. Um, and so all I had to say, uh, be, make yourself available by saying yes to invitations. If you're not available, if you don't say yes to invitations, you're stifling your ability to grow friendships. And then the second way to make yourself available, if the first option is to say yes to invitations, the second option is to invite others yourself to initiate and invite people into what you ha are initiating. When I think of initiating something, I think that's a really big deal. I think it can be very intimidating to initiate something with someone and to invite others. Um, I think it's really a way of putting yourself out there because people say no. People aren't always available to your requests. Um, granted, normally when someone says no to an invitation from me, they're not saying, no, I just like you, Brian. They're, typically saying, no, I'm not available at that time, but thank you for the invitation. But in my, uh, in my mind, I'm prone to thinking like, oh man, 
they don't like me. They said no because they don't want to be my friend, which is a lie, which leads to our first tangent of the day. Something that I've been thinking about a lot is lies that we believe, um, which is a kind of a weird thing to, to say out loud is that we believe a lot of lies. I remember asking a college student this on a drive to Tahoe when I worked for Young Life. And I said, what, what lies about God do you believe? And he was like, I don't believe any lies about God because they're lies. Um, but that's because I think the lies that we believe are much more subtle. They're little believable thoughts that somehow worm their way into our subconscious that we start to believe, even though they're not actually true. For example, in my own life, especially from this last 10 days of marriage, shout out marriage, 10 days is pretty good. From this first 10 days of marriage, I have learned and it has been on full display that I am not perfect. I am prone um, to being selfish. I'm prone to saying the wrong thing. I am prone to snapping at people, specifically Krizia, when I get upset or hangry. When I fail to live up to how I want to be, to how I want to behave, especially around Krizia, these judgmental thoughts start to sneak into my mind. Um, they say, the thoughts say, oh, you suck. Oh, you're worthless. Why on earth would you say those things? You're so bad. You suck. No one loves you. You're not worthy of the love that Krizia gives you. And these are lies. Um, this is not the truth. This is not what God wants to say to me. And I, we all believe different lies. Hopefully the lies that you believe don't fill you with as much shame. But in the spiritual warfare battle for my mind, I believe that the biggest attack against me is through shame. And that leads us to the second tangent because you can't just say something like spiritual warfare of my mind and not explain it a little bit. Um, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on spiritual warfare, but if the Bible is to be believed, we have an enemy. John 10.10, 10, which I've mostly heard emphasize the second part, which says, um, Jesus saying, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. But the first half is that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so Jesus wants to give us life, a new life and a full, abundant life. However, there is a thief. There is an enemy that wants to steal and kill and destroy our lives. And he doesn't do it through obvious means of straight out attacking us. He does it, I believe, through lies. John Mark Comer has uh, an author that I really like. He used to be a pastor up in Portland, has a new book. I think it's called Live No Lies that I've started reading. Um, recommend that one. I haven't finished it yet, so I'll wait to give you a full review till I finished it. But he kind of outlines that one of our enemy's main ways of sabotaging us, of stealing, killing, and destroying our lives, is through subtle lies. And for me, I've learned that these lies are typically the self-judging thoughts that pop up inside of me. And actually this morning, just, just this morning when journaling, I had a new thought pop up into my head that I've not had before, which was a positive one, which I'm going to attribute to the Holy Spirit speaking into my mind. And the thought was, the lies that you don't take captive will take you captive instead. And by take captive, I'm referencing 2 Corinthians 
when Paul says to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If I don't acknowledge these thoughts as lies and dispel them, I will start to believe them and internalize them, and then they will really wreak havoc on my life. So to combat these lies I find myself believing, I've started praying out loud this simple prayer. All of these lies I'm listening to, in the name of Jesus, be quiet and leave me. Holy Spirit, fill my mind and heart with your truths. Amen. And that really has been working for me. After praying that simple prayer, I found myself able to listen to and believe what I think is the voice of God instead of the voice of lies in my head. That was a couple long tangents, but I want to get back to the point I was making about how initiating with friends is a way to make yourself available and better your friendships. People love to be invited to things. It makes them feel special. It makes them feel warm inside. It makes them think positively of you if you reach out to them to invite them to something. And even if they are not able to make it, they, when the time comes for them to invite others to something, they'll think of you because you have reached out to them first. That was a lesson that my therapist taught me in the early days of my therapy. Uh, I was sad that I wasn't getting invited to more things, and he told me that if I didn't have plans, I had to make them. If I wasn't getting invited to things, I had to start by inviting others to something that I wanted to do. I had to not just wait for life to happen to me, go out and make the life that I want to have happen. And so that's the second point that I was going to make today. Um, I said I had two, two life lessons for you. And so the first lesson of how to be a good friend in my single years is to make yourself available to your friends. The second life lesson I want to share with you all, which was the biggest, which was the single biggest life lesson I learned in my 20s, was to make the life you want to have happen, happen. Don't just sit around waiting for life to happen to you. Go out and do something about it. Don't embrace a victim mentality and just think like, oh, no one's inviting me to anything. I have to just be sad and lonely tonight. In my life, once I started embracing this idea of taking control of my own life, my life got so much better. Um, in my early 20s, I had dated a girl for three and a half years. Um, and after going to therapy for a couple years, I finally gained the courage to end that relationship that was not going anywhere. I had the courage to move out of my parents' house. I had two part-time jobs and I ended up quitting one of them and making Young Life my full-time job. And I've made so many other changes to my life since then. But with every change, with every um, decision to embrace the life I want and to go after, to take control of my life, with every one of those decisions, my life has gotten so much better. Those are easier said than done, but when I finally started taking control of my life and emphasizing being available to my friends, my life got infinitely better. And so that's it for today's mini-sode. Thanks for listening. I went a little all over the place talking about friendship and faith, but that's pretty indicative of how my brain works. So you're welcome for giving you all an unsolicited view into how I think. It's weird and different talking to a microphone alone in my apartment instead of interviewing a friend, but hopefully you all were still able to glean some nugget of insight that you can put into your lives. 
And so, follow, rate, and review the Be A Friend podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you want to stay up to date with all things BAF, give us a follow on Instagram at Be A Friend Podcast, which is where I post the most, and TikTok at Be A Friend Cast. You can also find the little funny videos that I make on my other account on Instagram at Mustache to Brian. Special thanks to Tim Cassell for the music you hear in this episode. And finally, you can find in the show notes the link to the website and blog that I made for the podcast. <laughs>